Boston heads back home to try and regain control of the series while the Warriors try and steal back home court advantage. Darvin Ham is introduced as Lakers coach and Pat Riley speaks to the media. All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co host of Locked On Nuggets with Adam Mares. His name is David Ramil. He is co-host of Locked on Heat. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13, where he is just back from hearing Pat Riley challenge a local beat writer to a push-up contest, which we'll get into a little bit later. But first, David, hope you're doing well on a Monday as we record this. Uh, Want to get into some more Game 2 reactions and spin a little bit forward to Game 3. If I ask you what's your takeaway from the first two games of the NBA Finals is... Your takeaway is what? I don't have a clear takeaway from the first two games. But from what we saw in game one and Boston's ability to respond, as they so often have throughout the playoffs, finding a way to take Golden State's punch and yet say in the fourth quarter, oh, you know what? We're not ready to give up yet. And then you see them completely collapse. Jason Tatum continuing to struggle with his offense. Uh, and then, of course, Steph Curry catching fire and, and the Warriors doing all types of Warriors-type things, playing good defense, making crazy passes, sinking 40-footers at the buzzer, etc. I don't know that there's a clear takeaway from this. Like, it's a it's a great series, even though it's getting the same kind of complaints that the previous Eastern Conference Final Series got, where it was you know a blowout one game after the other. I don't know that there's anything that you can necessarily take away from this, at least not in my opinion. I, I look at both these teams. I, I'd say it's kind of a toss up right now, which is, you know, I think why both of us expected this to be a fairly long series. I said Golden State in seven last week, and I don't see anything from the first two games that would necessarily change this. Like Boston can certainly hold court at home. Golden State can certainly go and steal a win there. I, and, I, you know, we've seen the explosive, ignitable nature of this offense for years with Steph Curry doing what he does. So that's always going to be a, 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 a key ingredient in being able to win a game here and there. So I, I don't know that any team has a clear advantage over the others. And that's probably what you'd want out of a competitive finals. I agree. I, for the most part. Um, you don't seem it. You don't seem like you do. Well, I'll give, say me, that give, give me the hot take. Give me the hot take. I'll, I'll say this. I agree with you that it's good for a long series and that it can certainly go either way. Like I don't, I'm not sitting here being like either team is done, but I will just tell you this. Um, I liked Boston before the series and I like them even more now. Really? Yeah. So that I want to hear. Here's the big key. I don't think Boston's played well and it's one, one. I don't think Boston's played well at all. And it's one, one game two was the Warriors, the Celtics are going to have a number of games where they just have these turnover issues. Like they, they've just kind of proven that They're, it drives their fans nuts when they don't turn the ball over. They win when they turn the ball over, they lose. That's kind of in the story of their postseason. for them to win game one. When golden state uh, really played pretty well in that game, as far as shooting performance, 
some of the, the expected field goal percentage stuff, and that's data is always a little bit wonky, was really interesting from these two games because it essentially said that the Warriors had bad process and good results in game one, and they lost. And they had bad process, they had good process and bad results in game two, and they won. So it's kind of like an interesting like look at at how these kind of things uh, can correlate. Here, here's one that really kind of sticks with me. And Jason Temp kind of mentioned this on Twitter, uh, smart follow Jason Temp. Half-court offense in the series so far through two games. Boston's at 97.4. The Warriors are at 98.6. To put that into kind of perspective, that's really, really poor for Golden State. Like, they're not really generating a lot of offense. For Boston to have played as badly as they did in game two offensively, and for this still to be within range because of how well they're defending the half-court, there were so many things I looked at when I went back and watched the film for game two that I walk away saying, I think Boston's in a really good position here. Hmm. They junked up their own spacing. They put Draymond Green on Jalen Brown. And then the Celtics responded to that by having Jalen Brown play in the dunker spot, which meant that you're putting the best defensive player in the league, not Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, putting him closer to the rim for help. When your big, when the Warriors' big problem is perimeter containment, it was baffling watching some of their spacing decisions. They also kind of went after offensive rebounds, and the cost of that. Coaches talk about this all the time. You have to balance going for offensive rebounds versus getting back in transition. And Boston has always kind of been like, "We're going to get back in transition." And for some reason, in this game, they were like, "We're going to try and go for offensive rebounds." Oh no! Now the Warriors have are ahead of our transition defense. And are getting open threes, and Steph Curry is doing all of these things. You mentioned Steph Curry's games. Steph's scoring a lot. The effective field goal percentage for him in Game Two is fifty-five percent. Pretty good. He had twenty-nine points on twenty-one shots. Is that good efficiency? Yeah. Is it like, oh my God, Steph is just absolutely killer? No. Just like a good volume game for a guy that played forty-two minutes. Um. I think that Boston can play much better in terms of how they approach things offensively. I think Boston can make some tweaks defensively, though they are challenged in a number of areas versus this team. Do I expect it to be a five-game series? I don't. I expect it to be a six or game seven series. But I will tell you that right now, I kind of am doubling down and leaning a lot towards Boston. I, I wind up looking at a lot of this and going, I like Boston's process a lot more than I like Golden State's, especially with the room that Boston has for adjustments, even if their margin for error is tighter versus a team as good as Golden State. You know, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and yet I kind of feel like I, I just went through this with a series against Miami where it was a lot of looking at Boston and their losses in particular and saying, oh, well, they were sticking to their guns. They, you know, they did what they could, and they just they screwed it up. It was Jalen Brown mishandling the ball or not being able to finish at the rim or, you know, just one bad play or Tatum doing this, that, and the other missing free throws. It was always about turnovers that Boston committed as opposed to Miami forcing them. And I think that's, I'm kind of reading a little bit of that into what you're saying. Like that's kind of taking credit away from what Golden State did do well. And yes, they didn't play a perfect game either, but I guess that's kind of back to my original point is that neither team has played well enough to really make a clear case as to why they may be or may not be favorites in the series. And so that's, that's just kind of where I'm at. Like I think Boston certainly had a lot of opportunities to stay close and then they just kind of fell apart because they were taking bad shots. And um, 
I don't know that they're going to fix that. I don't know that they're going to turn things around. I don't know that they're certainly going to get better looks that they're going to be able to capitalize on because while they have for the most part of this postseason, they still have to actually be able to string four or three more games of those kind of good, consistent decisions. And they're prone to making some bad ones. And to that point, Golden State is also prone to playing very well and being ignitable and doing all the things that have gotten them to this point. And so... I don't know. I see that there's a pretty good balance there. I, I mean, it's it's tough to to make a clear case as to one team screwing up more than the other, one team excelling more than the others. And while that seems like a cop-out, kind of a lukewarm take, that's just kind of where I'm at right now, is that both teams have played well in spurts and badly in others, and that's why the series is 1-1. The future is unknowable. That's why people come here to locked on NBA is a catch oh that, that kind of crack crack analysis. The future is unknowable. We'll, we'll debate more about the NBA play, finals and where they're going after the break. A little bit later, we'll talk about some things going on around the league as front office shakeups and coaching shakeups continue throughout the league. New coach introduced in the West as one leaves. But first I want to tell you about prize picks. All right. NBA fans, you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We love it and we know you will too. You just pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. I had Steph over assists and rebounds, 10 and a half. <sighs> Got hit by the hook. He had 10 last night, but I will be back on Andrew Wiggins in game three, even though I like the Celtics. I also am going to like a Marcus Smart game. Feels like a big Marcus Smart game coming. For the Boston Celtics. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less on prize picks. It's just that easy. And they're safe and offer fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Plus, they don't just have NBA. They've got options for college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. And for a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. But you have to use code NBA. That's right. An exclusive offer to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA and get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Here on Locked On NBA, thanks for joining us and making us part of your week. We have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcast. Just go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of the 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take, advantage, take our audience survey. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Back here on segment two with David Ramil. I'm Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us. David, we were talking about the Celtics and all these kind of things. You mentioned the, the turnovers thing. And I was with yeah. you in the Heat series, right? I kept saying, I was like, you guys realize that the Heat had the number two turnover rate in the playoffs for the opponent before this round, right? That they are an excellent defensive team. The Warriors are just 12th in the playoffs, David. I'm not yeah. sure that the Warriors are as turnover prone. And I will say when you look at Boston's offense and kind of how it tends to fall apart, it, it, 
I think you're right that you have to credit the defense and Golden State's defense is good. And Golden State's def- the question here I think has always been like what's better, the Celtics incredible defense versus the Warriors great offense, which actually hasn't actually been that great this year, or the Warriors pretty good defense versus a pretty okay Celtics offense that at times has looked pretty mediocre in the playoffs. This has been kind of the weird thing with the Celtics offense that I have a hard time figuring out is when they look good, they look dynamite. When they look bad, they look terrible. And it's like trying to figure out what it is. And that's why you said it's kind of up in the air Uh, to your point. I'll say if this is, if this series is two, two or Boston or I'm sorry, Warriors three, one, it's because like the Celtics just had a game where they just couldn't hit anything. But I will say like their shooting has been phenomenal in the playoffs. Like it continues to just be outrageously good. The Warriors did, I thought a really good job in game two of closing out with a hand up. Like you just, if you go back and you watch in detail, you'll notice they stayed a step closer on threes. They really kept a hand up. Gary Payton Jr. Came off and second, I'm sorry, Gary Payton, the second came off and was absolutely dynamite guarding Derek white and cutting off that option and making him drive. The Celtics just couldn't hit layups in part again, spacing, terrible, terrible, terrible spacing. Like there were just all of these plays where I, I, I watched and I'm just like, why are you bringing an extra defender inside? You're not creating additional space on the outside for your teammate. And all it's making it is that when the warriors fly by and the guy has to drive, he's driving into more contact. I think Robert Williams is likely to see less time in game three. I keep waiting for that adjustment from Ime Udoka. Um, You know, Williams has these blocks and everyone goes like, oh man, what a difference maker. Right. But the problem is inherently that you can pump fake and get around him. And now you're getting downhill and the Celtics, I think are playing the Warriors do space appropriately. So you're getting a lot more of these opportunities. And for me, I think they, they, you know, they're finding more and more success. You can tell that there's a little bit of a battle going on with teams being like, well, yeah, we're going to switch it, but we want to wait as long as possible to not get you comfortable. They're trying to like fight that off until the series gets a little bit deeper in. And I think that that's like a relevant kind of um, thing to keep in mind. Uh, if there's one player, let me, let me fill in this blank for me. Mm. The Golden State Warriors won game three because blank had a monster game hmm that's a good question um, i'll give you mine while you think about it <laughs> yeah i'm trying hey i'm just buying you time buddy it's clay thompson he's really struggled yeah. offensively in this series yeah. he's gotten good looks and just can't hit him it's really weird seeing clay thompson who has the greatest shooting performance i've ever seen in person game six versus the thunder 2016 he, all these shots that normally I'm just so used to seeing him like just nail time and time and time and time again, just missing. Um, if he has a better game, if he has a, a the good clay game that I think is coming at some point in the series, then I think the, the Golden State Warriors can pull off the upset uh, and take a 2-1 lead and retake home court advantage. What do you think? I, 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 I tend to agree. I like the choice. And yet at the same time, I feel like they're, they're kind of giving clay these looks, uh, knowing that he's not going to be as adept at hitting them. Like, uh, you know, from what I saw from Boston, when they took on Miami, they kind of force you into taking those shots. They, they cut off the shots that you might be more comfortable with and forcing you into shots that maybe you don't necessarily want to take. Clay was gunning yesterday, four of 19. He was absolutely looking to score and just wasn't hitting on those shots. So to me, I, I think they would be comfortable allowing Clay to take those ample shots because I just don't think he's. I don't know that he's. I'm not. I don't want to count him out. 
and I can't say for certain that he's not going to have a monster game, but I think that they're good enough defensively where they can continue to challenge him and prevent him from doing that. I think the bigger X factor to me as far as who might have the monster game that could lead to a game three win for Golden State is Jordan Poole. I, I just like he's struggling. I understand that he's not getting those the same quality looks that he got over the regular season. That's to be expected. We saw this from six man of the year, Tyler Hero, a frequent comp between Poole and Hero, and we saw him get shut down due to injury, due to whatever. But I, I think I think Poole's going through the same issues where he's not finding the same quality looks. But if he can get them, and we start to see inkling here and there that maybe he might start to figure things out in game two, if he can start to figure it out in game three and provide that spark off the bench, I think he's a huge difference maker for Golden State, and that's why I think he might be the bigger X factor. All right. So the Boston Celtics ah. win game three. What do you think the difference is? For me, it's going to be Al Horford. Uh, Mark Smart is another candidate, I think. Like, Smart hasn't necessarily played great. Horford, there's a lot of talk about how this, the Warriors kind of cut off the water to, to Horford in Game 2. Again, yep. I, I when I watch that game, that's not the impression that I get to. They just didn't – they did not work to find the things that they found in Game in game 1. I, I really do believe that. When I watched – I because I, I had an eye on that. I was like, all right, what do the, the Warriors do – to really like shut down Horford. And when I went back and watched possession by possession, well, just a lot of it was like execution or spacing or timing. It was weird stuff that wasn't necessarily there. And I think that at home, there's a good chance that Horford has another big game. I think either Hor- Horford or Smart will have yeah. a big game three. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, those are the guys that are just emotionally uh, – it intertwined with the Boston crowd. They always seem to bring out a big game there. Uh, I, I think we're going to see something from Horford too. I just you saw 19 shots from Tatum, was it 17 shots from Brown and 13 shots from Derek White, and that's basically the sum total of your offense. Like nobody else aside from Peyton Pritchard took seven field goals, and all of those were in garbage time when the Warriors were already up 20. So, like, nobody got a lot of good looks. Not Smart, not Horford, not anybody else, not Grant Williams. All those guys that were the role players that were huge X factors at one point or another in Boston's run, and they were just basically cut off completely. A lot of iso ball, a lot of forcing up bad shots from those three. Derek White, to some extent, a little bit less of that, just taking a lot of three-pointers that just weren't falling. But Tatum and Brown just... Again, dominating high usage, uh, not sharing the ball as much as they should. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that the idea was we're going to force a turnover if we continue to make those passes and things of that sort. Again, giving credit to Golden State's defense. But you have to find a way, as you said, of, of getting those open looks, of finding those players as they're making cuts or finding open spaces there and trusting that they'll be able to create something offensively for themselves or for somebody else because again they're going to draw in defenses they're going to be able to change things around Horford's such a good passer I could see him you know finding a cutter along the lanes if he's got the ball in a low post position or something along those lines like he, he's going to be able to get you the ball but I do like Horford being the x factor like he's just he's been too quiet in this series and I think he needs to be able to step up and I think he will on uh on game three I have a wild stat for you. In game one, Jason Tatum had 19 potential assists. 19. In game two, four. Nice. 19 in game one, four in game two. That's a wild disparity, which again, like I can only kind of chalk that up to Golden State's adjustments deserve a hand in it, but boy, the Boston Celtics just did not execute offensively. He's trying Um, too hard. And yeah, I think there's a lot of that too. Like, you could tell that he wanted to kind of get going and he hit some of those shots. A lot of it with me for Tatum is like, 
his offense, uh, his scoring offense is basically, it's good because you need this in the playoffs. You need guys that can hit tough shots. It's just a matter of that diet is really tough. And the Warriors are very good about basically being like, nope, you're just going to have to keep hitting tough shots. We're not, you can hit them and we're not going to bring help. Nope. You're just, we know these are low, low percentage. So over the course of the series, we're going to live with it. Um, Really fascinating stuff. It's a really fascinating series. Uh, I can't wait for game three. Does he bounce back? Does he bounce back? Do you think at home? I don't know. Like, my, my kind of thought process, honestly, for both teams is that they're better off if the big superstars are not the guys. That <laughs> yeah. That's really Good what point. I think is that, like, if the Warriors are going to look great and play awesome, I think it's going to be Steph with 22, Clay with 20, Poole with 18, Andrew Wiggins with 18. Like, everybody gets in double figures and they're sharing the ball and, it's, and the Warriors ball is working. If the Celtics win, I think it's Tatum had an okay day. Uh, everybody's hitting threes like in game one, fourth quarter, but more of that for like a sustained stretch over time that they're able to generate and get breakdowns on, on the Warriors. Both these teams are basically testing each other's patience. That's it's going to get to be a, and we saw this with Jalen Brown and, and Draymond green, but I, I, this is going to get, I think nastier as it goes on just because <laughs> they, these teams are built to annoy you on both ends of the ball. And it's tiring at the end of, of a long season. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the new Lakers coach being introduced. We'll talk about what Pat Riley had to say at today's press conference for the Miami Heat um, and some other coaching news around the NBA. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, I want to tell you about Bilt Bar because Bilt Bar is amazing. And the most amazing thing about Bilt Bar is new caramel brownie bar. Don't you love a good chewy chocolatey brownie? Well, what about caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? Oh, it's amazing. But what if I told you you can have all that chewy chocolatey deliciousness plus just plus 17 whole grams of protein, 17 grams. That's a great dose right there. And 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar. That's what you get in the new Caramel Brownie Built Bars. Uh, I would replace regular brownie with Built's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part, Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% chocolate for real. You don't have to sacrifice taste for healthy when you're having a built bar. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which helps your body absorb the protein more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There's millions of reasons you should try built bar, but for now, let's just say the caramel brownie bar will rock your world. That's not an understatement. Go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. We'll be right back on locked on NBA. First listen every day. Make sure to check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. It's got host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. Joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thuling, giving fans an in-depth look at the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, the big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. We're doing our Locked On NBA mock draft. Uh, I took a player that had actually withdrawn from the NBA draft with my first pick. So they very thankfully let me pick another player. I was basically, after I pulled off a trade though, so I don't really care about the pick. For the Nuggets, I care about the trade. You can catch that when we release the Locked On NBA mock draft. 
David, I want to start this last segment um, and give you some room to talk about. Pat Riley doesn't talk with the media all the time anymore. Nope. But when he does, it's always really interesting. A Hall of Famer, legend, one of the most famous people in NBA history, Pat Riley. What was your big takeaway from Pat Riley's season-ending press conference today? I know that Pat's not exactly going to give you the goods, but what did you really kind of take away from the presser today? I'm sure you can find out more about that over at Locked on Heat as well. Yeah, reading between the lines, I think – Pat Riley certainly wants to make an upgrade. I, I think he's much more invested. Like, like it was immediate to me as I'm sitting in there watching Riley talk, and, and this is, I've done this a few times, and, and hearing him, and there's always just enough grains of truth mixed into just a whole lot of everything. Because, again, after 50-something years of basketball, he knows a lot, and he can go on a tangent here and there. Again, as you mentioned earlier in the show, challenging reporters to a push-up contest. Somewhat half-jokingly, but you never can tell with Schenectady born Pat Riley. I think he would actually would have gone through with it if the reporter had taken up on it. But, uh, like, very optimistic about this past season. Talking about, look, we need to be able to find more internal development. Maybe Tyler Hero can be that secondary scorer to complement Jimmy Butler, that Bam and Abayo certainly has room for improvement, but he's already continued to improve. Even talking up guys like P.J. Tucker, calling him a cornerstone of the franchise, uh, you know, that uh, uh, you know, it's just everybody. Duncan Robinson, still a valuable player. Uh, you know, Victor Oladipo, we'd love to have him back, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, this is Pat Riley. Like, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget in 2003 when Lamar Odom was, was basically, well, they've tricked Donald Sterling and the Los Angeles Clippers into re-signing Elton Brand just so they can lure Lamar Odom away from that team. And Lamar is talking glowingly about coming to Pat Riley. And, and, you know, he's a father figure to me. And they go into playoffs. They were that first year of Dwayne Wade's rookie campaign. And it's this building, you know, something for the future. And then they ship out Lamar the next year for Shaquille O'Neal when he gets disgruntled. Like, that's just the whole MO from Pat Riley yeah. and the Miami Heat front office. It's not, you know, they want to win championships. That's ultimately the goal. And so while at the same time, like he was talking up what a great season he was, there is a bigger picture here that they're always looking to get a title and they need to be able to capitalize on Jimmy Butler's window of opportunity. And who knows how long that'll be open with the Celtics showing that they can be a really, really good team, a title contending team with Giannis still being Giannis and who knows what happens in Philadelphia, et cetera. It gets much, much harder to be able to you know, capitalize on that short window. And so they need to be able to get that superstar. I don't know who that name is. It's not Russell Westbrook, Matt. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, he's not going to be the answer for Miami. Uh, is it Donovan Mitchell? Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think it's Bradley Beal either, but I, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's the biggest takeaway from me is that he, he's happy with what this team achieved. And he's certainly looking to do more. Well, look, he, he commented that Kyle Lowry's conditioning was not what it needed to be in this game or in the season. You know who's in really good condition? Always Russell in really Westbrook. good condition is Russell Westbrook. Really good condition. Guy keeps his body right. So, yeah. Um, do you take anything away from that? Like, I, It's not surprising. Riley's not going to spare anybody's feelings, but the, right. Kyle, Kyle Lowry is, is known not to be like a super – I mean, it is kind of a weird mix there with Kyle having a long history of enjoying delicious treats and uh, the body fat thing oh, always being yeah. a big thing with the, with the, yeah. the heat. Do, do you – I guess I'll just ask this. Would it shock you if the heat made a change from Lowry based off of how the season went? 
Uh, no, it would not. Uh, it's tough because there's that close yeah. friendship with Jimmy Butler. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing right. that lured him here ultimately. And he fits in perfectly. He's a veteran. He's a good defensive player. He's older, but still, you don't necessarily need him to be that go-to scorer. But can you count on him to be a productive member next year? Uh, is he going to buy into heat culture and lose all the weight, et cetera? I, I don't know. Those are a lot of big questions at this point in somebody's career, uh, You know, certainly as he's older. So it's, it's a tough question. Uh, I would not be shocked, uh, but I, I expect him to be back with the heat next season. Elsewhere, Darvin Ham was introduced as coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of things that you would expect to hear from a coach in his introductory press conference, accountability, hard work, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Maybe the most telling thing was just how much he talked about Russell Westbrook. Um, look, yeah, this isn't right. a surprise. The, there's been indications all over from anybody connected to the Lakers that basically they're going to try and make this work because the trade value for Westbrook is so low that they can't really move off of him. Uh, usefully. And so they're going to have to try and rehab that, that a little bit, which means they're going to have to say the same things. If somebody comes along and makes an offer, whether it's Indiana or Charlotte or whatever, like anybody that, that bites on Russell Westbrook, they'll make the move. But I I do think if nothing else, Darvin Ham did a good job of laying the groundwork because Westbrook was in attendance today was did a good job of laying the groundwork for trying to rebuild Westbrook's confidence. I don't think I've ever seen Westbrook's confidence as shaken as I did this this season. And if they are going to be able to rehab his value whatsoever, whether for trade or just as a player with the Lakers, I think starting with the coach is probably the best way to go about it because LeBron is very much going to feel that's not my job. So right. I think Ham did what was necessary today as far as putting that forward. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's perfect. As we talked about when we broke down his hiring, like as a former player, having gone through that issue of aging and understanding that it takes some kind of change and adaptation as you get older in your career, if you want to continue to be productive, Ham is a perfect choice, something that Frank Vogel could never empathize with because he just never went through it. And so, uh, I mean, likely he did empathize with it, but he can't explain it. He can't you know, say from experience, I went through this part of the process. Ham can He's able to establish that connection right away. I think it's going to continue to build into something. What it is, we'll find out soon enough. Rasheed Wallace is joining the Lakers. That mm. that was I did not see that coming. Uh, I love it. Noted his his inexperience from a coaching standpoint, which I guess is fine. Um, look, she's she was a smart player. She brings attitude. It, I don't know that there's necessarily anything. I don't know whether it's good or bad, but I'm definitely going to be entertained. I definitely am going to be watching every league pass game that the Lakers are playing in to see if uh, Ham gets ejected so that I can watch Rasheed Wallace take over as coach, hopefully. Uh, that's what I, I really want is to see she take over as head coach. Uh, I don't have much more. I don't know what to make of, of Sheed because like that's a, a pretty surprising hire to me. Well, again, it's just that you know what you're getting, 100% honesty, right? Uh, for better or for worse. And, and so sometimes... Uh, you just need somebody who's going to be that voice and saying, you know what, let's keep it real. We're all former players here. We've been through this. You guys are doing X badly. I know because I've been there. I've been in that situation before. Cut it out. Be better. Uh, and I think you kind of just need that, again, accountability uh, You know, from the coaching staff, from the players. And I think you have two voices now of experience, of full honesty, of being able to establish those connections as players and now as coaches. Uh, I think it's 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 an interesting move. It really is, and and yes, certainly a league watch, a league, a league plus plus team for sure. I, I can't imagine not tuning in to see what happens uh, when Rashid Wallace takes over as head coach. That would be interesting. Uh, over under on him getting uh, ejected at some point this season from the bench. Two and a half. 
Two and a half objections. <laughs> have to. Uh, okay. Finally, finally, uh, report today that Kenny Atkinson and Mike D'Antoni are basically the final two candidates for the Charlotte Hornets coaching job. Interesting mix there. Obviously, uh, Mitch Kupchak with uh, Mike D'Antoni. You've got, uh, I think Kenny Atkinson is a great hire. Two pretty good hires there. A lot of options on the table. Um, and then the continued fallout from Quinn Snyder, who the Jazz front office met with reporters today and kind of talked about that they knew this was possible, but they don't have like a list of guys necessarily yet to take over. A lot of speculation that Quinn Snyder's move may be to sit out a year and then potentially take over the Spurs job if Coach Popovich retires. That's kind of the going scuttlebot. Do you have a reaction to any of those coaching moves? Uh, I, I don't see the D'Antoni fit in Charlotte uh, unless you're going to try, try and run it back. You know, another team that puts up a lot of points. That wasn't their problem uh, under Borrego. So, I, I mean, they need something a little different. And so I think Atkinson winds up getting that job. But I wouldn't be surprised for Michael Jordan either. So uh, other than that, no, no real takeaway. I'm curious to see who winds up coaching Utah uh, after they trade Rudy Gobert too. Yeah, list of candidates increasing on that. I've heard Chicago, I've heard uh, Charlotte, I've heard Toronto as potential mm-hmm. destinations for Rudy Gobert, but we'll see where he ends up. Let's go wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Make sure to check out the show tomorrow. You got Jake Madison and John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. So if you want the Celtics viewpoint on game three ahead of time, make sure to check that out. We'll be with you all throughout the week, continuing coverage of the NBA Finals, NBA offseason, NBA draft, and more right here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us.